Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Good afternoon and welcome to the launch of Mac and Blue, something we're very much excited about. I'm Robert Johnson. He's JJ Levinsky. How you doing today, JJ? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Excellent. How about you uh, telling us about our guest? Well, we're uh, honored to have Nathan Steele here. I'm senior economic developer for the city of Maricopa. I was lucky enough to meet Nathan in naturally in our line of work and thought he would be a, a, a great kickoff to to anchor our show Absolutely. so so with that nathan if you don't mind uh, maybe give a little give us a little bit of background on yourself you know as far as the arizona connection and, and then we'll go into the fun stuff of the your role in the city of maricopa oh the fun stuff already started did you guys choose the intro music that was great um yes we did have a little you know what i was digging it i, I was over here tapping i, I saw you I thought, dancing yeah, yeah that's yeah. great no thank you very much <laughs> yeah it was uh it was quite the process but yeah, yeah. well no well congrats for the launch for the first show and i'm honored to be the first guest um this is fun glad to have you yeah so yeah jj to answer your question just to provide the brief introduction i'm the chief economic development officer for the city of maricopa Maricopa is one of the fastest growing cities, not just in Phoenix area, not just in Arizona, not just in the country. I mean, it's just growing so fast. And so it's a lot of fun to be a part of that. Um, what my role as an economic development professional is really, um, I, I've used this comparison before, is to set the table, really make sure that the placemats are all put there so it's nice, so that the chefs can come in and produce a really oh, nice cool. looking meal. Um, the builders, the engineers, the, the planners, they're the chefs. They're the ones that know how to really make these nice places to live and work and play. Uh, my job is just to help create that environment so that they can succeed. And I feel like we're doing that in Maricopa. Um, it's been great to see the success that we're having. And we have a lot of plans in place to continue that success. So Nathan, how did how, how'd you fall into this role? And what what's kind of the the brief story about your background and what makes you uniquely qualified for this. Sure. Do you want the long story or the longer story with it? Um, I'll try and give somewhere in between. Yeah, that'd be with, great. With, with that. But uh, I, you know, you grow up, or I did at least, playing SimCity. Um, it's so fun to just get creative with, oh, maybe this can go here. Maybe that can go there. As I was going through college, I went what every creative person wants to do and was planning on going to law school. And I, wow, because <laughs> I know that's right. what a jump. <laughs> no, um, but as I was doing grad school, um, I started looking at this combined JD MPA program and thought, well, that's really interesting, the whole public side of things. So I started all that. And just after a few classes into that, I said, I'm just going to stick with the MPA side of things. The public man management, public administration is a blast. And so I stuck with that and then all plans towards city management. But just as the different communities that I have served, um, I've kind of been known to just 
where am I needed? Let me fill that need. And it's gone into urban planning, land use planning, and um, in this role, economic development. And I'm hitting the stride with that. And I'm now thinking, man, I just want my whole career to be economic development. This is yeah, a, it's a fun, fun place. So how many, how many different municipalities were you associated with prior to Maricopa? So before Maricopa, I have worked in cities in Utah, California twice, and Wisconsin. Oh, nice. Coming here. So I have a good understanding of a lot of America. And um, it's a lot of fun to see how different cities and how different regions do things. So I can take what I like from some, learn from the mistakes of others, and be able to really craft what I think is the best strategy to. And how long have you been there now? In Maricopa, I'm hitting three years um, just in another month. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think myself and many of the listeners would like to know, like, how does how does your role fall into the hierarchy or or horizontal organization within the city itself? Like, who do you report to? What does it look like at a city council uh, meeting? Or, you know, how do you advise everyone in in the different uh, capacity, if you will? Sure. Yeah. This is the local government 101 (laughs) right now class, the the high school civics class. Um, You can start off thinking of a mayor and a city council Mm -hmm. as a board of directors for a private business. Okay. They go to their board meetings and they see the overall direction of what that business is doing, what the city is doing. That's what the mayor and council do. The CEO of that business in most uh, cities is the city manager. The city manager is responsible for the day-to-day operations of the business, just like the CEO of a business would be. Um, The day-to-day operations of the city. So in Maricopa, there's a police department, there's a fire department, uh, there's the planning department, there's parks and rec, there's engineering, there's all of these different outward-facing functions that report ultimately to the city manager. But there's also the administrative sides of things like human resources and finance and IT. All of them also report eventually to the city manager. I report directly to the city manager as well. Obviously, I work closely with our engineers, with our planners to help making sure the land use side of everything is consistent with what I'm telling developers. But I ultimately report to the city manager. And you do a lot of interaction with developers. Daily. Yes. Very interesting. Now, I'm going to jump off this for a second because I... Because civics isn't fascinating to you? No, no, but the state of Texas is. Okay. And and you and I, I'm up from Texas. You've spent some time in Texas. And so, where in Texas? I um, professionally haven't served in Texas, but I I lived two years in Houston. Oh, Horrible. Anyway, yeah, Central Texas is better. But okay, we'll move on from that. I'm I'm done now. I'm, that's all. And I've been to, to San Antonio. <laughs> okay, that's close. That's there close. we go. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I'm I'm from Austin. Oh, great. So, um, speak a little bit about you daily developers. Developers reach out to you. You reach out to developers. Exactly. How does that work? Both. I sure love it when developers reach out to me. Sure. Because so often, and both of you are in the development world, you've worked with various different cities. A lot assume, oh, I know how this works. Let me go and talk to whatever person and get this permit done. I love it when developers talk to me directly because I can let them know what's unique about Maricopa. Here's the sites that might fit your development best. If they can start with me, I can really steer them at the right location geographically for what they want to do. So I can give them market trends. I can tell them what development's coming around in the area so they can make informed decisions before they're spending the millions of dollars sometimes in their development. That way, once it gets to the planning department, 
it gets streamlined. And the process that they're going through is so much, it's so much more efficient. Sure. Because I've been able to answer and address a lot of their questions up front instead of needing to wait for the building inspectors so, and planners. So Nathan, on that, are they typically coming directly to you or is it usually through their broker or their capital stack or or like or is it, is there typically an agency involved or do they approach you directly? Depends on what the project is. Okay. You know, if it's a retail project, yeah, I'm not getting Chili's calling me directly. I'm getting whoever their local broker is to come and say, hey, we want to bring a Chili's restaurant. Tell me how sure. to get that So there's done. a bit of business development in your role. Oh, You're absolutely. selling the city of Maricopa. Well, yeah. If I'm the economic development Correct. officer, Correct. that means I need to help develop the economy absolutely. of Maricopa. The economy being, I want to make sure people have jobs. I want to make sure people have places to spend their money. And I want to make sure they're happy when they're not spending money at parks and everything. Really? I can't think of a single aspect of local government that isn't tied to economic development. No, absolutely. That's that's basically what the entire focus or the uh, the, the force, if you will, that that really drives everything. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally get it. I'm biased, but yeah, I'd hope so. <laughs> no, no, and you should be. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the exciting things that are happening development-wise in the city of Maricopa. What's going to be the popular thing in Maricopa for the next several decades that has been is housing. Housing is going to keep coming more and more and more. Um, and that's a good thing. There's a housing shortage across the country and across right. the Phoenix area right now. And I'm glad that Maricopa is one of those municipalities that has the space to build the homes. But you notice we're being creative. We aren't allowing just go in and build and encourage more sprawl. No, we're smart with the land that we have, encouraging mixed use, encouraging high density and low density and medium density because you want that diverse population. You also want the diverse housing stock. Sure. And so that's a really fun thing right now. And the fact that we're getting so many developers with creative ideas, sure. we fully encourage creativity. I, it was sad. There was one uh, housing developer that came in once and presented for what they want to build. And it was like maybe 700 homes. Mm-hmm. And it was two different kinds of floor plans. Awesome. And all yeah. of them, we, we kind of joke there, 50 shades of beige were the yep. different colors yep. that yeah. were there. And we came back to them, said, this is a great first start. Right. We're going to challenge you to get a little bit more creative. What more colors can you bring? What diversity in roof lines? And I would have thought, oh, this is going to be hard. We were telling them we don't like their thing. Their eyes lit up and they said, oh, there's another community so-and-so who forced us to do this. Oh, so we assumed you would too. And we're like, no, why would we want that? Yeah, we want, want you're better. the creative. You chose to be an architect because you're an artist. Show me your creative spirit. Because we are creating that environment, I think we're inviting more of that same line of thinking. Sure. Now, do you have any idea of, uh, of new permits this year for housing? I, I, I've looked at something that was 160-ish, but I don't know what it's changed since then. Yeah, um, it's more. There has been, I actually just received the update this morning. This is let, perfect. Let For those that are not that. are not watching, he's pulled his phone to pull up live data. <laughs> yeah. So give some time because there are so many. Yeah. Uh, so but, I figured as much. Now, this number was like, you know, a, a month or two ago. And so I thought 160 was, was a lot for then. Um, I knew it had to be much more, especially in the city of Maricopa with it, you know, exploding as hey, it is. In January... Uh, there were 128 new homes permitted okay. in February, 145. And here we are on March 17th, and we're at 79. 
Amazing. Yeah. So that's 2022. Um, we're averaging about 2,000 new units a year. And assuming three people in each unit, we're sure. adding 6,000 people to our community that's each incredible. year. And those are the kind of numbers some might get intimidated by. Uh, oh, but talk to your retailers. You don't think they love those numbers? Well, the retail follows. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's it. Self-storage, you know, Schools all those things. and everything uh, else. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it does. And when people are clamoring saying, okay, I want more restaurants. I want more shops. Bring me Target. Bring me all of those things. Well, this is how you bring them. They want to make sure they have an audience. They want to make sure they have customers. This is how you do it. But also they want to make sure they have the workforce. (laughs) And so someone, the other day, someone was talking to me about, um, oh, oh, it was like (laughs) Chick-fil-A saying, hey, I really want a Chick-fil-A in Maricopa. Tell me what I can do in Maricopa. And I'm like, well, where are the Chick-fil-A employees going to live? Mm-hmm. Do we have the right kind of housing stock for that? Right now, we have a whole bunch of three or 4,000 square foot homes. We need diversity of that. We're going to also have the Chick-fil-A employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if Chick-fil-A opens in Maricopa, the You're person— You're going to need five and 6,000 square foot homes. Is that where you were <laughs> going with exactly this? That's exactly where I'm yeah. going okay. with it. Uh, but you're also—they can say, oh, well, they can come from Ahwatukee. They can come from Casa Grande. It's like, yeah, but there's a Chick-fil-A in Ahwatukee and a Chick-fil-A in Casa Grande. If I'm working, I'm going to go to the one that's closer to home. Mm -hmm. So we need to build the homes. So, Nathan, on that premise, it sounds, uh, maybe I'm incorrectly paraphrasing this for you, but I want to turn it into a dialogue. It sounds like a lot of the permits are single-family dwellings. And then uh, back to the diversity that you have to condone and and represent to to your base is is the mixed use and the multifamily uh, a pivotal second and third element to what you described earlier? Yeah, those numbers were the single family, but there's also multifamily getting built along all of that. Um, for years and years, there haven't been any multifamily getting built in Maricopa. That changed last year when there were a couple hundred uh, permits that got issued for a new apartment complex that got put in. Um, there's been entitlements for new um, condo, duplex, um, townhome, bungalow project, all of those that you yeah, want to call. single family rental Single stuff. family for rent, yeah. all of those and everything in between. A lot of the garden home um, mm-hmm. kind of variety are all getting built. And I think there's now an entitlement close to a thousand uh, units. Um, it's not enough, but I think it's a great start uh, because as we keep growing, you want to make sure there's a good, healthy diversity of the different kind of housing stock. Speaking of entitlement, Nathan, the Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have a unique disposition in that you have some entitlement leverage and, and advantage over a bunch of other municipalities. Is that correct or incorrect? I personally believe that we have a process that is more business friendly than what other communities are doing, if that's kind of what you're going about with it. Well, it just seemed like a, a lot of the the land down there is ready to be de- developed quicker and faster. And there's more of a process in place. It seems like when I talk to developers, they feel that uh, the Maricopa proper has that advantage. And I just wanted you to speak yeah. to that. I don't know the particulars that feed that, that those rumors, but just kind of curious how that. Well, those would... are great rumors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's true. We do have quite a bit of shovel ready sites for a variety of different infrastructure already in place, things like that. Oh yeah. And fantastic utility partners. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to economic development, um, there's a third party group called the Maricopa Economic Development Alliance or MEDA. On that board of MEDA is not only city officials, but also utilities, school districts, <laughs> you know, they, there's so many different people there that in order to bring the right development in, well, if you can have gas, electric, and water 
and telecommunications all in the same room while you're considering a major development, you don't think that's attractive? Yeah, it makes for a quick discussion. Oh, it makes it super quick. And so if your whole premise is I need to get shovels in the ground within nine months, well, we'll say, well, it will take you so long. (laughs) You can do it a lot faster than nine months because we already have the people in the room to get it done now. Our planning department is awesome because they've created a methodology of saying, hey, instead of going to window A, finishing, and then go to window B, finishing, then window C, just do it all at the same time. Get your Here's zoning done thought. at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Some, yeah, that's so speaking of utilities, what, um, you know, water is always a big issue for everyone. You guys have capacity, correct? Yeah, there's your next guest. Bring in someone from Global Water Resources. Um, Maricopa is unique. We aren't one of the cities with a public utility. Global water provides the majority of the water in Maricopa. There's also a couple of water districts, but Global Water is our partner and they have a 100-year assured water supply already. And so they not only can provide to all the customers currently in Maricopa, but they see the growth. They see what's in our general plan. They say, yeah, we'll have water for 100 years, also accounting for the growth. That's a fantastic thing to sell right now. So on that notion then, I'm sure you guys have the projections or the pro forma of the population. What can Maricopa grow into? Okay. Once upon a time, all the Arizona cities got together and they called dibs on land. Okay. And so Maricopa is its current, if you Google Maricopa um, and go to maps, you'll see what its current incorporated boundaries are. Are you landlocked? No. Oh, that's the good part. We then have a planning area, and that's the dibs Uh that we're talking about. When a city has a planning area, that means another city can't come in and annex that land away because it is in Maricopa's planning area, just like we can't go in and take land from uh, one of the reservations or from Goodyear or from Casa Grande. No, that's in their own planning areas and the reservations in their own sovereign nation land. Mm -hmm. But we have unincorporated Pinal County land in our planning area. If you take all of that planning area into account, because that eventually will be the incorporated limits of Maricopa, it's three three times the landmass of Gilbert. Wow. Three times wow. the landmass of Chandler. It's humongous. Because, and I'm sorry, world, you can't see the map that I have pulled yeah. up, but the I-11 corridor route Correct. goes right in the middle of Maricopa's planning area. Oh, so you can go west. I Well, South or South, <laughs> yeah. I eleven connects Tucson to Vegas, right, and it cuts through Maricopa's planning area. Okay, it bypasses City of Phoenix. Actually, um, our planning area goes even south of I eight. Oh, that's amazing! It's humongous. So you you abut the, the tribal land then? Does because doesn't the tribal land come up that far? We abut a, a couple different sovereign nations. Okay, and so on the north is the Gila River Indian community, and uh, to our south and West mm-hmm. is the Ok Chin right. uh, community, but our planning area also includes stuff even south of Ok Chin. Wow. If you take everything into account based off what's currently there, I drew up this map uh, with our GIS team, and I can't do anything without our GIS yeah. team because what you can do to show data visually, mm-hmm. it you, you don't need salesmen because the data does it all. Um, we're going to tell everybody listening, it's huge. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it looks like Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> What's super fun with the GIS data, we were able to pull up 
all of the different housing developments within Maricopa, as well as that are entitled in the planning area. And currently, there are 28,000 um, dwelling units just within that planning area. But if you took take a look at what is entitled, there's over 113,000. Entitled? Yes. Holy cow. And what exactly is GIS? Um, GIS is the software that you use when every time you pull up Google Maps, every gotcha. time you pull up Apple Maps. It's a digital way of looking at maps. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Nathan, go back to the incorporation limits. Do you have county islands within there? Currently, there's three or four state land pieces. Oh, it's state, not county. Correct. Okay. And so any... We don't fully envelop any county land okay. uh, right now, but there are three state land pieces, and there's a process on how state land gets developed and everything. But once it does get developed, it's already pre-zoned, and that's another thing. So that does that basically get annexed in by you eventually, that you work with the state on that, or does it just stay, stay in their hands? There's two different ways, okay. um, and um, there's another future, because you can talk a couple hours about the process of state land development. But they have a process of going through it's it's ultimately a public auction. And so one, if the city wants to take ownership, uh, we would have to go and do the environmental studies, talk about what the zoning would be, talk about doing the market analysis, and then it needs to go through the approval process at the state, which includes several different um, there's a there's a special committee with the governor and the treasurer. So and you have first with it. right of refusal. Well, on that one, we would be the customer. We Period. would be the buyer. Okay. Yeah. The second option doesn't take nearly as much time. Because the other one included several different committee sure. meetings and hearings and stuff. The other one is that public auction. Gotcha. So if a developer comes up and says, hey, I see 300 acres right here at state land. I'm going to go contact state land. I want to buy that so I can develop it. State land says, okay, get it zoned with the city. We've already pre-zoned that. So if any developers out there want state land stuff, talk to us because we can streamline that step for you already. But they also need to go and do the market analysis. They need to do the environmental studies and show it to the state, the state goes through their process to say, okay, mm. yep, now's the right time. Then they do a auction and highest bid wins. Once they become owners, they come talk to the city, we'll get them their permits and get them building. Back to the original uh, development discussion, Nathan, do you see more, would you say most of the de development partners that are coming to you are local or are they coming from out of state? We even have international developers talking with me. So they're from everywhere. And I think that's kind of uh, representative of everyone that's moving to Maricopa and the Phoenix area as a sure, whole. Sure. I mean, how many people have you talked to that are from Texas, from Chicago? Yeah. Everybody <laughs> from, here is from somewhere yeah. else. Exactly. Yeah. And the builders... What is the new threshold on being a native anyway? Is it I 10 just... years or 15? <laughs> yeah. No, at one point, yeah, it was like, you know, if you've been here six months, you know, you're an Arizona native. But right. that would be... That just... Puts everybody in. Yeah. I've, I've heard about people living in the Heritage District, yeah, because my home was built in 2005. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny. Okay, so another one. Go go back to, we talked about the housing. You, you touched just briefly on the next wave, which is I would assume would be the commercial, the retail, the industrial. That's all coming. Yeah. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about how that ebb and flows, you know, from through your eyes and through your lens? Does that come before? Does it come after? And then... How do those sine waves work in conjunction? Well, it all needs to happen at the same time. Okay. Um, all growing communities. Okay. So I, I'm a dad. I got kids. Sure. And it's five, by the way. I do. I yeah, have five boys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my, that's a team. 
That, that is almost a, that is a, a, a full team. But it's in his great. Case, no, there's no bench on the basketball in team. In his <laughs> case, it's a band. And we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I have the whole spectrum of ages there under nine. But the it's fun for me to see, okay, when you're the baby, you, you need to learn to walk. You need to you start mm-hmm. by rolling and then you start by crawling, and then you start by walking and you're learning things. But heck, even my nine-year-old is still mastering the logistics of his body on, well, okay, can I throw? Can I run? Can I do all that? That never stops. You're going to be doing that until you're dead, right? Mm -hmm. For your entire life. It does slow down at my age, but yeah. But it's still stuff you learn. It is stuff you learn, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and with a community, you got to build homes. I mean, you're not a community if you don't have anyone living in your community. And so you're going to be building homes, and that's never going to stop. For Maricopa to keep growing, you're going to constantly be adding homes sure what those homes look like change multifamily single family low density high density you know but you're going to continue to build homes places for people to live and then eventually you learn more things then you start going to school if you're a kid well then you need to add the commercial you need to add places for people to shop at you're going to add more diversity in schooling different churches different parks all the different things that make a home a home. Sure. And that's the thing I love about my team in Maricopa. I think all of us have built in that we're building a home for people. Which is excellent. Now, I'm going to throw this one, I mean, because I don't know why we didn't discuss this earlier, and I'm sure we're getting to it, and we are now. But is a catalyst to that business coming in and bringing jobs, which comes first, the house or the business? The house. Always the house. Businesses that come in look for the housing. Always. The major industrial folks Mm -hmm. that come in, if they're building a plant that might have 200, 300 jobs, Mm -hmm. the first thing they ask is, where are my employees going to live? If I say, well, you come first, that's not going to fly. They need to know that there's a place for their employees to live day one. Yeah, and it's close and it's affordable. And that there's quality of life, so they'll enjoy living here. Because you're not going to choose to locate to a city. If they know people are saying, oh, it's a stepping stone. This isn't where I want to end up. No, don't bring your business there. You want to go to a place that people will be happy setting their roots there. Yeah, which is part of the allure. Yeah, Yeah, totally. That's what you have to build. You have to build that that home, that place. where. So what is, Nathan, on the quality of life spectrum, what are the trends and like what are you guys challenged with in in providing those quality quality of life amenities, so to speak? Like let the listeners know. I'm curious to hear what those things look like. I always ask people to answer that question for me. And so when someone's visiting you from out of state, okay? And they say, well, show me your city. What do you show them? Hmm. For me, that's my definition of quality of life. Yeah. What am I going to brag to my mother-in-law about? What do we go do that's fun? (laughs) What do we like? Yeah, yeah. That's that's really, and and that's going to differ based on who that question is asked to. Totally. Some people are around family. Some people like you know, partying, some like sports, some like, yeah. So I see that could be, it could really vary. Absolutely. Yeah, and some people, I, I want to make sure I have a Popeye's restaurant. Okay, cool. We'll do our hardest to get a Popeye's restaurant. But others will say, well, if my family from out of town, they have Popeye's over in California too. Right. And so I need to bring them to a restaurant that's unique. So I want to make sure we have enough opportunities for our entrepreneurial chefs to start their own things, to create unique things. You know, that's what economic development in my mind is. It goes back to setting that table sure. so your entrepreneurs can all grow yeah, that, and build that, something again, that's, that's unique. Gold. That that really is gold. That's the win right there. Is there 
is there a so-called opportunity zone within Maricopa as it's defined by a lot of the other municipalities? Um, the legal definition of opportunity zone uh, includes some areas that have um, some historic blight or other areas and stuff with it. Mm-hmm. We're only 15 years old. So you can't have blight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's not a lot, which is a great problem to have, it right? A super problem. Yeah. Um, but there are plenty still of greenfield sites, sites that don't have a lot of history on it that is potential. There's a lot of empty canvases <laughs> in Maricopa, and that's what we can focus on. For me, that's the opportunity, is the fact you're starting from right now. There hasn't been any there. There's been some agricultural land, but we've done the environmental studies. We can say, okay, there's not any environmental or historical significance to maybe this part of land. Mm-hmm. Go at it, you know, and that's fun. There's been a lot of people enjoying that. Maybe talk a little bit about, uh, because I, I I keep hearing that the large industrial, I mean, every community has industrial, but the large industrial seems to be uh, going to Casa Grande. And then how do you have a relationship with them as neighbors? Um, are you more of going to be the community where everyone lives and they some people work there? Or what's kind of the... The noise and the hubbub back and forth between your two yeah. communities. Are we Minneapolis, St. Paul? Is that kind <laughs> yeah, of that thing? Right. You know, we have a great relationship with Casa Grande. We're both the two largest communities in Pinal County. We're the two fastest growing ones. And we rely on each other's workforce quite a bit. Um, a lot of the people that work in Casa Grande will live in Maricopa. A lot of people that work in Maricopa live in Casa Grande. You know, we're going to keep having that relationship. Lately, there's been a lot of news for some of those bigger industrial things coming to Casa Grande. And that's because they have awesome shovel-ready sites that are right located on I-10, quick access there, and it's and rail as well. Yeah, I was going to say the rail spur I know is an yeah. economic driver. It's an awesome site. Yeah. Yeah. We also have a, a site with rail. We also yes, have all that. I was going to actually yeah. get to that. I, I, I'd seen something about it. What is that site that you have with rail? Yeah, so um, it, it's this whole industrial uh, park ultimately that we have, but um, it's we have a great property owners there. It's privately owned with uh, with a group that also is tied to the MEDA organization that I told you. Oh. So there you go. Not only are you meeting with the utility partners, but also with the property owner right there in order to make the deal happen quick and it's everything's getting pre-zoned and ready and so um we're in talks with lots of groups that are bringing major industrial to maricopa proper um, and it's exciting from a lot of different industries particularly though there's two industries in particular that um we're targeting because it's the big one in the phoenix area semiconductors yeah you know yeah. a whole lot not of like that. that's a secret anymore no yeah. no yeah. no semiconductors and ev manufacturing Yep. I mean, we need batteries. We need um, a lot of the things that cr- go into the supply chain of electric vehicles as well. And so if you see the big news of, oh, Lucid Motors came or the big news of mm-hmm. Intel or TSMC, mm-hmm. what about everyone in their supply chain? They yeah. want to be close by too. And those are people that we talk to directly. Yeah. So you ask how often am I calling yeah. developers and how much are they c- calling me? There's plenty of businesses like that that I call directly. Yeah, all of those support services that go along with all of that, yeah, have to have have to be somewhere. So you'll find uh, that out. You'll find this out about me is that I tend to chase a rabbit, and one of the things that is stuck in my mind is like an old coon dog. It is. It's kind. Well, that's actually very very uh, good description. Um, What's going on with the trailer? Is it an airstream trailer? That silver bullet, the yeah, train. It has really yeah. got me intrigued. I saw something <laughs> about it today, and I was like, I got to dig into that more. It looks like it's, uh, yeah, what's going on there? That's- okay. 
So part of placemaking is also remembering your roots, remembering where you came from. Right. Um, there's a train track that goes straight through Maricopa. That was a huge part of the history of Maricopa when it became the Maricopa Wells. I mean, this was always the area that had water, so it was called the Maricopa Wells. That's right. part of the name, the background of why it's called what it is. That's why that's why the train track goes through there. Um, the Amtrak station for Phoenix. So if you're ever taking Amtrak to visit Phoenix, guess where that's Come is? on. It's in Maricopa. Yeah. And so the train history is you huge heard it first here. Well, yeah. hopefully you didn't. Hopefully. Yeah, well, I, I did. <laughs> Alex, you're riding years. Amtrak. That's, that's an Alex Trebek. That you <laughs> can win the the grand prize <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah. What, what is uh, Maricopa? Um, <laughs> we're constantly looking for ways that we can honor that history, honor that heritage and culture. And so we take this old train, this old silver California Horizon mm-hmm. train, and we say, well, we make a museum out of it. And so that's the rehab that you're seeing there. This, so this, it's not a travel trailer. It's not like an Airstream. That's not, a train car? Not anymore. Right now it is placed at what will eventually be the Heritage Time Park. Time to get those quad focals checked out, Robert. Man. What? It, it will eventually, I mean, there's work. There's uh, lots of TLC that needs to go into it, but it will eventually be part of a Heritage Park um, that will have some historic stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what, the Maricopa Historical Society is doing fantastic work with it. Speak um, of they're the ones running that. We have so many good third-party partners in Maricopa, and the best cities so do. You yeah. can't ask the yeah. government to do everything because. Yeah. Speak to that heritage park. Yeah. Uh, speak to oh, that I, heritage. I don't want to take on more. No. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, could you speak to that heritage park a little bit more? Just to, the, the whole heritage district area. Yeah. Frankly, like um, what's it going to look like? Try to visualize it through <clears> words. I want right now people that are living in Phoenix when they say, "What do you want to do this weekend?" Oh, let's go down to Maricopa. Right now, I don't know how many of them are saying that. It goes back to that quality of life thing that you're talking about. Of If someone's visiting, what kind of stuff are you showing them? The heritage area of Maricopa is one of those places I want to show. Uh, Because we want to really encourage, um, architecturally, at least the whole Sonoran Southwest style that's there. There's some cool, cool things. And so working with the neighborhoods, um, our Marin City Council was able to approve this overlay for this heritage district and it will include an incentive district. So significantly reduced fees and streamlined processing for you to come in and create some cool placemaking areas. We do not want more 50 shades of beige there. We want to have a unique place of mixed use destination spots. And so maybe in this heritage area, you might have your flat on the top on the third floor. You might have an accounting office on the second floor and a coffee shop on the first floor. We want to really encourage local businesses to go there, those small mom and pa mm-hmm. shops there. That's what is going to be that heritage area. That heritage park with the train mm-hmm. is right next to that too. Oh, okay. Oh, um, very neat. It's a really, really cool opportunity. But like I said, what's the government's role in that? What's the city's role? I'm setting that table. Yeah. I, I don't think it's appropriate for us to go in and start building and designing. No, yeah, you, that's wisdom. Yeah. You, you're the yeah. designers. You're yeah. the builders. Yeah, that's wisdom. You're the well, art, it's, artists. It's back to what you said. It's like, all right, show me. You know, like you're saying, bring stuff to me. I shouldn't have to set that for you. You set the parameters, but let them be the creative ones. And don't get in the way. Yeah. I've seen way that too That does many. happen quite a bit. Not here. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. my that goal at least. No, no. There's no, his, there's you. Nathan's plug, everyone. <laughs> that, 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 it well, doesn't you brought me here. on for a reason. Yeah. But here's Maricopa, the, not here. Well, yeah. that's the worst thing I could have yeah. heard. It should be yeah. yes here. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. do need to. Yeah. Um, well, it I depends could, on what the not here meant, right, Robert? Right. right. <laughs> well, and, and in that sense, setting the table does matter. 
because the way I set the table, is it a steakhouse? Is it a seafood restaurant? Is it a fine dining Michelin star restaurant? Mm -hmm. Those tables look different, don't they? Correct. My role is to set the table to have the appropriate chef come in. Yeah, that's excellent. That's really cool. This metaphor is getting away from me. No, 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 no. I'm going to keep it going. We're metaphor people. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down the other rabbit hole that Robert didn't go down of awesome growth, awesome development. How does, how is the, your agricultural community reacted to going out into their territory? Are they happy because they're getting phenomenal prices for their land? Do they feel pinched? I mean, I can't be all perfect world for everyone. So you have the don't sell the farm. Yeah. What is the, what is the mix and the attitude? Yeah, no. And and that's hard with every growing community. Right. Um, just as my kids complain when they have growing pains. True. You know, and I want to be as sensitive to that as possible. Um, every industry I want to be able to protect. I want to protect jobs. I want to protect all of that. Uh, but that you can also have policies that get in your own way. Well, our, our city manager, Rick Horst, is um, a, a phenomenal leader and very forward thinking in a lot of what he does. One of the phrases that I'm going to use is from him where he says, you know, some governments get it right about 30% of the time. The market gets it right about 80% of the time. So I tend to trust what the market's doing. I really doing. like you. <laughs> no, you, yeah. that's Rick. No. That one's Rick. Yeah, yeah I well, won't take credit yeah, for that it, one. Rick, I'll, I'll, give, him, I'll give him a plug after working with him. I, w- I can testify he's a man of that word. Yeah, right. that's so cool. And so you set the table. You know, you put as many policies in order to be friendly, to let the market do what the market demands. Every once in a while, you stop in to say, no, not that color of house. I have enough brown. I want to see blues and other colors and diversity of architecture. But deep down, you can't create policies that stop progress. Does that make sense? It Mm -hmm. does. Yeah. Yeah. But all while at the same time, there's an important role on business retention. And I do everything I can to keep businesses going uh, wherever feasible. Let's go down another uh, Q&A type thing of, in our, in our space, your space, our space, you know, building Arizona space, uh, one of the things everyone hears about is the timeliness of turning things around. Um, we're all challenged with, with supply chain and not only in the tangible supply chain, but in the intangible, meaning getting plans and things through different sure. municip- municipalities in a timely manner. Nathan, can you speak to just the, the macro of that, of, what are the challenges? How are you guys trying to overcome it? Because let's be honest, everyone, there's there's no magic answer here, but you know, what's your philosophy? Well, you're right. There's so many factors that go into it. But I've said before, the worst thing you can say about me is that I've slowed down your project. That's why we encourage just be forthright right at the beginning, um, especially if it's a major development. Tell us right off the bat, well, what's your timeline? Tell me when you want to be open. When do you want to break ground? When right. do you want to start getting those first tenants in? And then we can make a calendar to work with you. Um, we've had plenty of people that maybe it's because of distrust of previous organizations mm-hmm. they've worked with or anything. They keep so much close to their chest and then say, how come I haven't gotten this by then? I'd say, well, you need to tell us. Mm-hmm. The more open and upfront people are when they apply for the permits, mm-hmm. I promise you, it's so much better because then we can make sure to hit that. Also, the quality of those initial applications does wonders. If you're saying, okay, well, I submitted that plan and it's taken three weeks and I haven't heard anything, well, I'm going, well, maybe 
there's a lot in there <laughs> that yeah. we needed to redline and say, right. that doesn't work. The roof doesn't go on the floor. You know, there's things that you need to make sure are square and set with uh, consistent with the international building code. Sure. Do you have any idea um, about backlog currently uh, when it comes to permits, building permits? Is there? I don't. I know that our building official bill, again, I keep name dropping the team that I just adore, but with Rudy and Bill and Ben and Eduardo and everyone with those teams, they are customer first, everything Good. they do. And so I've seen them working on weekends in order to just get these deadlines set. And if there's a backlog, they took take it personal and they would make sure the customer knows and really work for it. It's it's great. I I love working with them. I'm it makes it a lot easier to sell how good your city is when you know and which is my job. I'm selling the city when you have such an incredible team. And I think that's been Maricopa's success more than anything. Talking about the the, the private development, now let's go back to the municipal development. Sure. For those that haven't been down there or uh, we say down because most of us are in the Phoenix area that are By down, you mean south. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I'd like you to speak to the municipal development. You know, how are you guys as a city keeping up with, I've been in your city hall and it's absolutely gorgeous. Police, fire, infrastructure, roads, those kind of things. Can you, can you talk to those matters? You know, as more and more people move to the community, all of those needs need to be met. That means, yes, we're going to continue to hiring planners and engineers and builder, building inspectors. But as more people move into, into the community, they need parks. And so we, on the personnel side of things, we're always going to be hiring the best talent. Is it good to great? Jim Collins, that book, yep. talks about getting the right people on the bus. Sometimes first you, you, you get them on the bus. Mm-hmm. Then at least they're with you. Right. And then once they're there, figure out what seat they're going to be on. Mm-hmm. If we find someone that has that talent, has that intangible of, oh, we need you in that organization, we'll hire them. And then maybe we'll figure out where they'll be later. But first, let's just get you on. Correct. Um, that's why I there's we kind of joke that some of us have moved offices four times. Mm-hmm. It's not due to any poor measure. In fact, if you're moving offices four times, it means, okay, there's this talent here. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure you are filling where we need it. Oh, yeah. And in that sense, as a local government, we work a lot like a private business. And I think we can learn a lot in my industry from the private sector and try to operate that way more and more. Now, I think you're talking more about infrastructure projects rather than personnel stuff. No, it, it, but you answered it brilliantly. I, I think it's a twofold answer. So sure. you, you've given that side. Maybe you can just speak to this side a little bit as well. Sure. Yeah, we're going to keep building buildings, keep building roads, keep working with utilities to make sure there's plenty of water for everyone and electricity to keep the power on. We encourage plenty of diversity of sources and utilities as well. And so right now there's a couple different providers for telecom. We'll always welcome more and more because diversity is good. A stronger market is good. So that's constantly stuff that we're working on. A lot of people have asked before about like, yeah, but with all these new people coming on, Porter Road isn't big enough to handle all that. Well, that's why Porter Road is getting widened right now. All of this was planned for. Yeah, Um, your right of way is there. (laughs) Yeah, it's there. And that's uh, going back to the civics lesson, um, especially in growing communities, you might see the city pave a new road and you go, oh, it's just two lane. It's just one lane, another lane, and then a very small stripe in the middle. And there's no sidewalks or curves or gutters. It's this little country road, right. that's not going to be enough for all the people that are going to live here. And then they realized, well, once the developer on that side of the road came in, 
they added another lane and curb and gutter and sidewalk. Oh, the developer on this side came in, they added another lane, curb, gutter, and sidewalk. That way, it's a proper use of taxpayer dollars to make sure those making the impact are the one paying for the impact. For the listener, for the listeners that don't know this, it's not always the taxpayer that pays for it too. The assessment goes to the developer as well. Right. That, that, when I said the those making the impact are the ones yeah. paying for the impact, impact fees. Yeah. <laughs> they, we all, they, they, they hey, trust me, we all know. <laughs> yeah. You, you two don't know what impact fees are, right? Yeah. No, never seen any of those in my life. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that access, and this is always a contentious topic because I think you, I think you framed it very well, is proper development starts with what you can afford now and grow into things. Would you, is that a fair statement? I'd hope so. That's more fiscally responsible. Right. right. So with that and all this, this, this awesome growth, what about, you, you mentioned the I-11, what about other access points to Maricopa in the future? Or what can you speak about as far as, if you want to call it the arterials coming in and out of the, your community? Yeah. Google Maricopa Circulation Plan. You know, oh. it, it's all there. But I'll talk about the major ones yeah. for a little bit. You saw the planning area, how I reference it'll go south. I-11 will cut through us mm-hmm. and it goes all the way to I-8. Eventually, when Maricopa is that size, we're not going to be when I say we, I mean the people of Maricopa and the yes. community, we're not going to be as reliant on some of those seed cities right next to Phoenix. We aren't going to always be going into Phoenix for my groceries. Heck, for my job. I'm not going to be doing that uh, because there's going to be enough coming in Maricopa. So first, how do you get people to fix traffic on 347 into Phoenix? Give them reasons to stay. It's a great answer. So that's the best one. But furthermore, also Google Maricopa Association of Governments, MAG, Mm -hmm. they're doing the scoping study on how can we improve 347. It's an incredibly open process that's been talked about. There's no secrets there. There, it, it, it includes an overpass at Riggs Road to help streamline all of that. It oh, includes excellent. improvements to the interchange of I-10 and 347. And it's even exploring different options to uh, add more lanes and just expand all of that. In general. Oh. That's one road. Okay? That's just one road. That's, one. That's the one that gets talked about the well, most. Well, so of course, yeah. everyone talks about it, but we have so many other roads and other yeah. accesses sure. in and out of Maricopa. We'd go into just as much detail for those as what's going in yeah, with 347. That's a great point. Promise Nate. we're not making it up on a whiteboard. What's the timeline on I-11? Ask the I-11 commission. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what are you hearing? Uh, I mean, is it... You know, on um, if you've driven up to Vegas, mm-hmm. um, it's done in the Nevada side. Correct. Um, you cross the border and all of a sudden it says, hey, you're on I-11. I go, hey, that's great. Okay. Right outside there, like when you once you go past Wickenburg and everything, mm-hmm. you can see the signs that say this is the future I-11 right. corridor. So it's planned out. Right now it's a matter of budgeting and timing and design but a lot of it is planned out and there's still some route options they still need to finalize especially south of maricopa as it approaches tucson there's still some more things they need to work out there but it's going in the right direction it's exciting and you've seen a lot of federal representatives from the the um like secretary Buttigieg and stuff were out here they're looking at these projects they're aware of it awesome but you know i i want to again it's another rabbit um and i mentioned this earlier and i want to get back to it about the five boys uh, doesn't make a team, it makes a band. You're musically inclined. I pretend to be. I try to be. I, I, yeah, our whole family, we're always constantly singing songs. So, you know, it never, it doesn't really shock me when people say, I play the piano. You know, I mean, it's okay, <laughs> I play the piano, that's right. But you play something that is very uncommon. The keyboard? No. <laughs> Banjo? Yes. So four or five years ago, 
my wife did the worst thing ever and got me a banjo for my birthday. Oh, I've always wanted to play. I don't play anything, but yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I can. I don't even hum good. But <laughs> Robert, Robert's wife got him a cordless drill. So. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, no, and the reason I say it was the worst thing, I love that she loves music too because she enjoys hearing me play and practice. Does she and, play? Yes, she is a fantastic piano player. Excellent. Um, and your children. Yeah. So my kids are, like I said, I have baby to nine-year-old, five of them. And yeah, one plays piano and violin. Another plays piano and cello. One of my toddlers grabs the ukulele every second he can and just wails on it. It's, I love it. It's yeah. my favorite thing. But it's, and they're always making up songs. Um, my nine-year-old um, for Christmas. Well, he, now you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he got, oh, I'm, I love that he does this. For Christmas, he got a blank book of just music staff so he could just write music. Oh, wow. And, oh, now, wait a second. And, and there's wait, times wait, wait, he's wait, bored. Wait. He so just composes. just by ear. He, they write music. Oh, all the time. Oh, come on. All the time they do. They're writing musicals. That is so I, killer. Hearing the lyrics down, he, yeah. you see him trying oh, to write. They got, they like, got their mother's this, DNA, this, right? This. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fun. So uh, the reason. For both I, of us, give the me some reason, credit. The reason, I don't see that very often. Um. Uh, something, and I, and I won't do this often on this program, I promise you, but to share something personal. So we did, my wife and I did that same thing with our children. Uh, neither one of us play, but they really showed an interest. So we didn't have a living room. We put uh, a Hammond organ, uh, piano, drums, bass, saxophone. We did all that stuff. And so that's when kids would come to the house, that's what they did. They sat in there and played music. I, I think the Steel family is probably... 40% of Linton Milano music's budget. The Steel family. There it is. That's going to be on a CD. With steel drums? Yeah. So steel the other, string guitars? The other one is, and I've just, I've got to get this in. So sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a book, okay? And I am using the name Nathan Steele. Okay, I'll give you a nod. I'll oh, do whatever I'll I have to. Call you. But yeah, that sure. is like, you know, Nathan Steele has to be that main character. That's like a killer name. No, that's one thing. I, I appreciate that. Steele's a good last Hold name. And... What's going to be the topic of the book, first of all? Um, yeah, I actually already have it. I've got, I'm about 80,000 words in. But oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You don't hey, hitting that. the 80,000 times doesn't count. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It, you filler words count they do count no but, that with all of our sons um we've thought long and hard we're like okay steel is a strong last name it's got a great history with my different family members and i've made diana and i have talked multiple times when naming our kids saying okay they need to have strong powerful names and they all have great meaning to us and they oh, that's all cool. multiple have come and said like okay. oh man could be a quarterback i'm through chasing yeah get us back on track <laughs> you're good Oh, You're no. I, I like these tangential things. Nathan, what uh, I think we have about 10 minutes left. So let's, what haven't we asked you about, like, inter, let's say interesting facts, other things about Maricopa that we haven't talked about that the basically the general public might not know? Why are people moving to Maricopa? Oh, how, how, how come we are adding 6,000 people well, a year? Do and, tell. Yeah. Yes. And, and also, everyone assumes. Oh, they're they're all coming from California, or they're all coming from whatever. Well, no, I have neighbors that are from California, Colorado, Connecticut, Texas, Illinois, from everywhere. I have international um, neighbors. I have people relocating from Phoenix. I was going to say to Maricopa from Phoenix. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why? I think it goes back to that quality of life. One of the things that's great: we're only a half hour away from downtown Phoenix. 
Yeah, it doesn't feel that way, does it? It feels a little bit more removed. It feels a little more distant. And that's a good thing. That's a selling point because not a lot of people like to be in the hustle and bustle of everything. True. Um, some people do. Power to them. But what's being really attractive to the people that are coming to Maricopa is they like that it has that small town feel, yet is it, it's a full service city at the same time. You, you can, can see mountains. You can, you know, you can feel, yeah. you can stretch out. Yeah. On your way on your way home, you can see wild horses right. running around in in the Gila River Indian Reservation. You can go there and not worry when my kids are out biking around. Like they're they're okay. They're just biking in our neighborhood. And I know the people in my neighborhood. Right. And even though we're adding thousands and thousands of people every year, we haven't lost that. And in my job of placemaking, ensuring that quality of life, that's number one priority is don't lose that. And I think we've done a good job keeping yeah. that. Keeping them at the table that you set is, is key. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely key. Yeah. Because placemaking the table isn't just for the chef. It's also for the eater. And that's who our residents are. Absolutely. I think you brought up a great point. Speaking of the, the, the horses on the, with the Gila River. And you have the casino down there as well. And, and neighbor, Auctions. Yeah. yeah. And neighbors all around. How, how often do you work with, with those entities with your own growth and, and how does that interact with, with them? Oh, if we don't work with them, we're doing something wrong. Oh, no, you, I get, you got to talk with your neighbors. So I have great relationships yeah. with them. Our mayor and council have fantastic relationships with the leadership of the reservations as well. We're very close working together in all of our different development do you, plans. And do you actually plans. do, do you actually physically do joint ventures with them or not, or is it just more, you know, collaboration? Depends on the project. Yeah, if there's infrastructure projects, you don't think all the stuff with 347, we aren't regularly talking with you. Yeah, good of point. course we are. Yeah, yeah. We, we have to do that. So absolutely. A lot of, I mean, our, one of the best locations for special events in Maricopa has been at the Okjin area. So of course, we're working with them as well. Really good relationships there, particularly with our parks and recreation team. Uh, they do a lot of stuff um, to work out with the different cultures that are in Maricopa and reaching out to the different uh, reservations next door. We have a cultural event uh, coming up next week, actually, that has a lot of really cool um, auction and Gila River well, stuff there. Speaking of Parks and Rec, I, I know as a soccer dad, I feel like I'm in your community every other weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I know you guys are doing a phenomenal job on that, oh, correct? Copper Sky is, that's what sold me when I was coming and exploring the community. Rick called me and said, hey, you should consider coming and getting on the Maricopa bus. And so when I was exploring, driving around here with Diana, we yeah. saw Copper Sky and we're like, oh, man. Does that we have, see our kids out there? And they we live there on every that, Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just out of curiosity, does that have ex, uh, room for expansion? Or how oh, to, oh, yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah. you guys have a master plan for all that as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And don't think that's the only area in town that will ever have a soccer field either. As Maricopa grows, if it's going to be that mm. same size that I yeah. talked about you're earlier, gonna need, you're going to need several different parks with ball fields. And all of that's in the plan. Awesome. Very neat. Yeah. If you haven't been to Copper Sky, uh, there was a tournament there um, a while ago where I was looking through and I saw license plates from New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, California, Nevada, Wyoming. I was like, Wyoming? Yeah, people come from all around because those are some of the best fields in the state. So when's the EGs coming? <laughs> you saw that news. Yeah, yeah that's going to be coming. They've uh, let's acquired get that in. That's important. They're submitting plans right now. We're working with them so they can get open soon. Yeah, very cool. There's a lot of really neat stuff. I I, I have to, I'm, I'm going to be totally open here. I've been through Maricopa a few times. I'm a West Side guy. 
but I'm going to come visit. Please do. Yeah. yeah Call it, me when you do. There's some really, really neat things going on around there. And I'll show you some sites where you can build there so you can bring business here too. So what is your favorite restaurant? Place to eat. Doesn't even have to be a restaurant. What's your favorite place to eat in Maricopa? Oh, well, I love all our businesses. Yeah, I'm going to get you and in trouble our, because you're going to name one above another or something. No, but... all, all of them are incredible. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a Greek restaurant. Okay, I was going to um, ask type. The, the, good. Yeah, the Euro Grill is one that um, on, regularly on Thursdays, <laughs> that's my where my wife and I will text each other and be like, what do you want for lunch? Oh, Euro. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's fantastic. But really, there's so many good ones, and there's more good ones coming. So you're a bit of a foodie. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, are you the kind of foodie that takes pictures of his food? No. And shares. I. Here's your fun fact Cause about I, me. I do. Yeah. So that is. Here's your fun fact. If I took pictures, I wouldn't know where to share it because LinkedIn is my only social media. No. Okay. For everybody that can't see it, I'm going to give him a, a bump. <laughs> That's all I do personally as well as LinkedIn. It's really healthy for your mental health. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's healthy for a lot of other reasons than mental health. But yeah, I do stuff. Which you, which you and I have short supply of, by the way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's absolutely. a mental health facility that has been announced in Maricopa, oh, actually. So you can hey, be our first man, two customers. There we go. Well, look at, uh, wait, isn't that quid pro quo? We have Nathan on as our first guest. We can be the first recipients of the, the first weight recipients. of the Robert and JJ wing. Okay. There we go. Yeah, we probably do need a wing. All <laughs> Hopefully there's not a big deposit. Yeah, we've learned some great things. Um Let's see, how can people get a hold of you that they want to, other developers, whatever? How do people reach you? You know what? Call me. You go to City of Maricopa. Feel free to email me, nathan.steele at maricopa-az.gov. But there's so many ways. You just call City Hall, ask for Nathan. And I, you'll, I, I, you'll answer I'll your answer phone. answer right away. He's one of those guys that answers his phone. Great. Well, I can't tell you how many businesses have come to Maricopa and we're also looking at others. And I said, well, why did you choose Maricopa? And I'm like, because oh, you answer. And that's not That's a change. phenomenal concept, isn't it? Answer your phone. Yeah, no, but even no, once no. we reach 200, 300,000 people, I sure hope that we are still known as the organization that answers the phone when you call. Yeah, that's a good slogan for a city. That's well, a second we answer. one, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Well, here's the... Yes here and we answer. Okay. Well, yeah. We've now just yes rebranded the entire. But here's the one um, to the end of all slogans, that's my favorite one that we've used. I, uh, it was first Jennifer Brown, our assistant city manager that used it, said, come build a city with us. Awesome. You can't end it any better than that. Thank you, Nathan Steele, so much for being with us. It's been a blast. Yeah. JJ, I mean, this is it. It's in the can, Daryl. I haven't mentioned Daryl <laughs> Robinson. Daryl Robinson is our producer and has done a fantastic job. Is your mic on? It is going to be. It, it will it be. <laughs> it is now. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl. Well, our goal is to eventually bring Daryl in as like, you know, the, the third musketeer on this rat race. Yeah, Daryl's going to get some air time. Okay. Thank Thanks, you, Nathan. Everybody. Hey, you, Nathan. so happy to be here. Congrats on the launch. Yep. Thank you. You've been listening to the Mac and Blue Show brought to you by Mac Prefab and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to the Mac and Blue podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky on LinkedIn and Instagram and tune in live every first and third Thursday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said, you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.